You're listening to the Nicene Creed, a Lenten podcast series from Covenant Shreveport, a church on a mission to declare and demonstrate the gospel in all of life. Learn more about us at covenantshreveport.org. Hey friends, welcome to the Nicene Creed. My name's Weston Brown. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be exploring this historic faith statement, looking not only at the content, but also the history surrounding the creed and some of the catalysts that influenced its creation. The basic format is that we'll be dropping a new episode every Wednesday and Friday. The Wednesday episode will focus on an historical point, and the Friday episode will focus more on the actual content of the creed. So to get us started each week, we're going to read the full Nicene Creed. And as I read, I would encourage you to also read it aloud where you are. As a practice this Lent, seek to commit these words to memory. You can find a link to the Creed on our website in the show notes. Here we go. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven By the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, he is worshipped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead, and the life of the world to come. Amen. We're going to start our journey by simply considering the nature of the creeds and the historical context in which they developed. In other words, what is this and why does it exist? Notice I say creeds, plural, because there were many that existed within the early church. One you might be familiar with is called the Apostles' Creed. And it is a basic statement of Trinitarian theology that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and that Jesus died and rose from the dead. You can find a link to it in the show notes as well. While we don't know exactly when the Apostles' Creed was written, we do know that it probably was not actually written by one of the Apostles, but instead it was formed and shaped over time by Christian communities who were seeking to concisely encapsulate 
the basic doctrine and teaching of the apostles into a form that could be memorized by everyday believers. But why was this needed? Three major reasons. First, no one had a Bible. While it's not entirely clear exactly when the Bible as we know it was assembled, or as we say, canonized, probably sometime between 200 and 350 AD, we do know that it would still be over a thousand years before the printing press would be invented, which means that everyday people simply did not have access to the scriptures. So the creeds were a way to take biblical doctrine and make it accessible to common people in a form that could be memorized. Secondly, heresies were abounding. Heresy is simply a word that means false teaching. And while heresy is still very much a problem in the church today, the early Christians struggled to combat even obvious overt heresies, many of which concerned the divinity of Jesus, because the average person was uneducated and did not have access to the Bible. So, many of the creeds were formulated not only to provide a succinct statement of faith, but also to explicitly combat certain heresies that were proliferating. This was especially true, as we will see, with the Nicene Creed. And then third, the creeds functioned as a personal faith statement. In many ways, in the time that the creeds were formulated, the church was learning how to talk about the faith they espoused. The early church was greatly persecuted, especially in the first 200 years after Jesus, and the creeds served as a sort of membership card that authenticated one's faith to other Christians. For example, when a new believer came to be baptized, they would be asked what they believed, and it was common for them to respond by stating the Apostles' Creed. That was their profession of faith. As we get into the 300s, though, Christian persecution all but ended as Christianity became first legal in the Roman Empire, and then eventually the state religion. As persecution ended and lives were no longer at risk, it opened the door for more discussion as well as more disagreement about theology and doctrine. Thus, you may notice that the Apostles' Creed is far shorter and more succinct while the Nicene Creed is much longer and detailed. The Apostles' Creed was born in an age of persecution, where time seemed short and brevity was important, while the Nicene Creed was developed in the post-persecution age, brought about by the Roman Emperor Constantine. You may be inclined to think, what's the point of learning these if everyone has access to the Bible today? Can't we all just go to the scriptures and figure out what is right and true? It's for this reason that many people think of the creeds as antiquated, especially in a world where even many non-believers have copies of the Bible in their home. One thing to remember, though, is that even today, most churches and denominations still distill the scriptures down into unique statements of faith. They might be called something different, like a confession or a catechism, but the basic idea is the same. For example, I grew up in the Southern Baptist Church, where the basic statement of faith is called the Baptist faith and message. If you grew up in a Reformed or Presbyterian church, then you've probably heard of the Westminster Confession and Catechisms. If you come from an Anglican or Episcopal background, you may have heard of the Articles of Religion, 
And these things are valuable because even though people have access to the Bible at an unprecedented level, biblical illiteracy is rampant. Even people who have been a part of the church their entire lives are unaware of vast swaths of the Bible, not to mention the doctrine that flows from it. So we would contend that something like the creeds are as valuable today as they have ever been. One final consideration. The creeds are not perfect or exhaustive statements of faith. While they are certainly well-rooted in the Bible and declare biblical truth, they are not in and of themselves the Word of God in the way that the Scriptures are. So they aren't inerrant or infallible. But the creeds are not by any stretch meant to replace the Bible, but instead are simply meant to be a helpful tool. Join us next time as we look at the first lines of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is, seen and unseen.